So put yourself in the position of, I always do that. Put yourself in the position of the apostles, specifically the apostles. What have they been through just in this gospel of John? What all kind, what all kind of things have they been through to this point? Yes, sir? I mean, it's not every day, but it's almost every page, isn't it? And as Jesus, he keeps doing these things, what's some of the things he's done in the Gospel of John? What are some of these miracles he's performed? Yes, sir? Turned water into wine. He did, didn't he? No, he did, didn't he? Just last week, he did. I mean, he, he came late on purpose to make a distinct impression for them. He said, I'm glad I wasn't here. Now, what on earth is going through their minds? Mary and Martha and Lazarus, people that he loved dearly. And he and his apostles are away and they send word to him that Lazarus is sick. What do they, what do they expect, do you think? When a word arrives that Lazarus is sick, what do you think the apostles expect? That's what they expect. And do they want to, if you go to Bethany, you might as well be in Jerusalem. It's like being in Sharon and Hermitage. If you're famous and you came to Sharon, is everybody in Hermitage going to know? Yeah. They're not excited because the last time they were there, the leaders made it clear what's going to happen. No, they're, they're not even kidding around about it. They're not insinuating anything. They intend to kill him. And so they expect him to go heal Lazarus. You got to, sure they expect that. I think they would. And now they're, you know, chapter 12, we're changing gears here. And Jesus is being troubled. Do these guys know him well enough to know when he's troubled? And when your children know you're troubled, then they get troubled. Uh-oh. And in chapter 13, and they're eating this celebration together, really the, the supper, they, they eat together a lot before the real Passover meal, but he's eating this supper with them, and they find out, what I'm going to betray him. What's going through their minds? I think they're troubled. I think they're troubled. They're troubled. Are we troubled? Yes, ma'am. I'd say they were on a roller coaster. They probably felt like they were on a roller coaster. No, don't you? I mean, really? Don't, I mean, yeah. It, really. 
Do you get upset when you do this? Is that just me and Nancy, or is this hard? And, and it appears, I have a really good friend in Merkel, where we used to live, and, you know, he took tests a long, long time ago in the Air Force, and he said they always thought that he cheated on a test. Because he was almost like that. You know, he would have been like that, maybe. He's one of the coolest individuals. Does this happen? Yeah. Yeah. I realize some people's valleys are worse than other people's valleys, but the lower the valley, maybe the higher the summits, I don't know. What does this do to you physically and emotionally? Does it just wear anybody else out? It just wears me smooth out. It's exhausting. So when he's turning water to wine, Bill, he thus reveals his glory and his disciples put their faith in him, chapter 2, verse 11. They put their faith in him. What do you mean? What do you mean? You mean no more of this? In chapter 6, they're afraid they're going to drown. I mean, it's imminent. They're not stupid. They know. He raised Lazarus from the dead. We waited till he died. Before they go, they don't want to go to Jerusalem, Bethany. Well, now they're going. Now he raised Lazarus from the dead. Mm, but they're still where? Yeah, but we're going we're gonna to celebrate the Passover together. Well, but somebody's going to betray him. Peter's going to deny him. How are they dealing with these miracles? They're seeing him do them. So what? Their conclusion about him is what? Who is he? He's the Christ. So they're thinking, okay, he's the Christ, right? I don't even want to undo that because that's too big a deal. Here's what they think. They think he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. They're putting their faith in him as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Son of God. Is this ever, I'll just be plain, what do they really understand about this? What do they really understand about this? Turn over to chapter 20, verse 9 real quick. Alan, are you there, sir? 
Read that for us, would you? You know who the two people that's talking about? One of them wrote this letter. And Peter. Peter, James, and John go places with Jesus. Nobody else goes. They're his three closest. He, he, they just have a connection with him. That's not wrong. It's just fact. But Peter and John are racing to the tomb and they get there and what's a matter of factual history? What's, what's, part, of, what's part of this? Is Jesus like this? He seems to be more like this, doesn't he? Why? In fact, Jesus is kind of more like this, isn't he? They don't understand. They don't understand. John's going to give us some stuff here. And this... 7 to 12 is a section here. Sometimes when we're, I'm not, I'm not uh, exhaustively studying the Gospel of John. I'm using the Gospel of John to make a point that can take Scripture. And sometimes as we're reading Scripture, every time you read Scripture, does it just take your breath away? Every time you read it, you're just like, whoa, I never, are you kidding me? See, I don't do that. Sometimes I'm reading scripture and I've spent more time scratching my head than I have trying to regain my breath. You ever do that? Sometimes that happens in the midst of me and my spirit being, guess what? Trouble. And so one of the reasons, one of the reasons I've, I've decided for us to spend time in the gospel of John is I think it helps this. I'm not saying it makes the roller coaster go away. I'm saying that it increases our understanding about the Christ. Is he the Christ? Is there anybody in here that would disagree with Jesus is the Christ? He is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the savior of the world. That's, that's a description of who he is as the Christ. If he's not the Christ, then he's not the Savior. But what does that mean for you when your heart is here? Some of this roller coaster you can't do away with. Because... Guess what parallels this roller coaster? What was paralleling this roller coaster on behalf of the apostles? What was paralleling that roller coaster? The circumstances of life. They're not down here because they did something wrong. They're down here because this, this just got real. And... We'll never do away with this. But this message about Jesus is a call. It's not just data given out. It's not just a historical fact. It is a historical fact. It's a verified, verifiable historical fact that he took some 
not very good water because most of their water wasn't very good, and he turned in the best wine anybody had. That's a historical fact. But where's the call in that for us? We've touched on that. It is his nature as the son of God to be above nature. So it doesn't matter to him. You got muddy water that can become wine, no problem. But as Christ, what is he doing with the fact that he's got power over what's inadequate for the occasion? You don't think those people at the wedding were troubled? Somebody was. Somebody was fishing to get real trouble. There's a call in this message about him. Come over here with me to John chapter 17, 14, 15, 16. Or all one conversation. Now this is this is what I'm putting together. John the writer doesn't tell me that. I'm gathering that because I've read it before. It's one conversation with one group of people. There was twelve people in chapter thirteen, and by the end of chapter thirteen, you've got it down to eleven people. And he's with them and he's having this conversation. And there's something here I want us to grab. John chapter 17, let's look at verse 17. He's praying to the Father on behalf of his apostles. And he's praying for everybody else. Also, what does he say? Seventeen, seventeen. That's it. Thy word. Nobody else's word. Jesus is talking to the Father. The Father's word is truth. And in the truth that the Father gives, sanctify. To sanctify something is to set it apart by God's prescription for God's purpose. You can have a gold cup and all of us can drink out of it till you sprinkle it with the ashes as a heifer and have a ceremony and then it belongs to God and if you touch it, you die. The cup was the same. What happened? It was sanctified to God's holiness for his purpose. That's under the law of Moses. Sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Thy word is truth. And we're weaving a little application in here, but come on down to verse 17. I mean, 20, 20, chapter 17, verse 20. Go ahead, Bill, you had the other... How are people going to believe in Jesus today? Through the message of the apostles. That's a fact. That's why I'm underlying to us, where are the apostles right here in chapter 14? Come over here to chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Come down here to verse 27. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not, last sentence in 27, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
and do not be afraid. So if their hearts ever get troubled one time, they're in, they're, that's wrong. Is this his point? Your heart can never know any trouble. No, because in 1633, what's he going to say? It's toward the end of the conversation. I guess it is the end of the conversation. I have told you these things so that in, you, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. In this world they're going to have what? So they're just supposed to be delirious and go, bah, 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 bah. I can't see it. I can't imagine it. it's not troubling me. This is not silliness. Are their hearts going to be troubled? Or are they going to be afraid? They are. Are our hearts going to be troubled? Are we going to be afraid? I'm presenting to you, and it's not just tonight, but we'll spend a couple nights on this. I think we'll use Wednesday nights to do this. So what is greater than the trouble they're going to face? Do what? Yeah. The what? The grace of Jesus? I thought somebody said truth. Oh, what's truth? If the world brings trouble, can the world bring real trouble? Can the world bring real trouble? It does, but what's the, world, what's the worst the world could do to us? Kill us. Send us to heaven. Kill us. Kill our what? Our life, our body, our physical body. Are we going to die anyway? Is anybody getting out here alive? Nope. Out of this lie? Not unless Jesus comes back and then you're going to change. What it can't do is separate us from God. That would be real trouble. Would that be real trouble? To go from the love of God to the wrath of God? Now you got some trouble? Now that's real trouble. So to combat the trouble that's circumstantial and that's visual, what's he going to tell them 14, 15, and 16, but especially here in 14? Well, not especially, but especially for tonight. What's he going to... What's he going to give? See, they don't understand. They don't understand the basic. They, they, in chapter 20, this is, this is six chapters later, and they still did not understand from Scripture. How many times has he said he's the Christ? How many times has he proven he's the Christ? How many times have they acknowledged and confessed that he's the Christ? And the Christ must what? Suffer. And die and be resurrected. And he's given this to them directly, bluntly, given them this information over and over and over. And they don't understand and they don't get it. Now, sometimes when I don't understand and I don't get something, guess what? I don't really know it. That doesn't trouble me so much. I'm wrong, but I'd be right if somebody just pointed out. But then there's times when I don't understand and I know I don't understand. And guess what I am as a result? Troubled. So what, what good would it do me to know the things I know for certain? Yes, sir? Oh, uh, well, y'all still see it in your mind, though. You have the ups and downs that the world and, and your surrounding circumstances throw at you. And you're paralleling that as you take your path 
knowing where he came from and where he was returning to and trying to teach his apostles and us the same thing, if we're anchored to God in eternal things, in spiritual things, it starts to level out. I'm not saying it's going to be level like he is, but that's our goal. And, I, and I'm specifically talking about the apostles because John's talking about the apostles. But he didn't write this letter to the apostles, did he? He wrote the letter to the church, didn't he? Why on earth does the church need to hear what Jesus said to the apostles? Is the, are the church apostles? No. Then why do they need to hear that? They can draw some application. They're going to be able to draw some application. That's true. But this truth is going to be greater than being troubled. He said, I know you're troubled. Hang on. I know you're troubled. Hang on. This is, I realize that's a long introduction, but keep this in your mind. 14.1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Have they been trusting in him? Now they left everything they had to go follow him for three years. Are they trusting in him? Mm-hmm. And what's he continually calling them to do? Trust in him. Is it fixing to get real hard? Mm-hmm. Because something's fixing to happen to him that hadn't happened to him yet. You've got bigger than an embarrassing situation at a wedding. You've got something bigger than the misfortune of somebody being born blind. You've got something bigger than an ungrateful guy that's lame for a long time. You've got something bigger than somebody's child being sick about to die. You've got something bigger than that that's on the horizon. You know what it is? It's the cross. And he's already told them about it plainly. And it's bearing upon him. In chapter 12, when the Greeks show up, he knows the hour has come. And now the hour has come. All the weddings, all the feasts, all the storms, all the fishes, all the loaves, all the resurrection, all the everything. And now the hour has come. You see, we live on this side of the truth. Has the truth already been given? Has the truth already been declared? I'm reading what John wrote. John's not writing this down. He's not keeping a journal as they're going. The people who present that idea, didn't, they didn't read the book. They're not writing a journal as they're going. Did they journal some stuff down? I don't know, but that ain't where these gospels came from. Because they don't understand Scripture clearly says that. In fact, they're still having arguments. They're still having arguments about who is the greatest. Do they understand the Christ? No. Do they understand the kingdom? No. It's not just Nicodemus. It's these guys too. If they understood, would they be troubled? Jesus said, if you understood, you'd be glad. But they don't understand. In my, and, and so is there application for that? Yeah, don't, when you don't understand, don't get bitter. When you don't get what you want, don't get bitter. When, when, when circumstances and, and life and trouble and sorrow, I mean, we're human beings, folks, aren't we? This is, we're just clay pots. We're just clay pots. We're just, we're just sand. We're just dirt. Don't be troubled. Don't abide in trouble. I want you to understand that. I need to write that down. His point, I'm convinced. Now, if you don't agree with this, just give me proof of it and I'll believe it. In chapter 15, what's he going to talk about? Where to abide? Do not abide in a troubled, fearful 
heart. Do not abide there. Don't move in. Don't set up camp. Don't even pitch a tent. It's not going to last. Now, this is what he's telling these men. Do not let your, well, where, where else are they going to abide except the circumstances of life? Jesus said, I'm fixing to make you a place. Where else are they going to live besides fear and troubled? I know we get troubled. I know we get fearful. Matter of fact, we get sad. But Jesus, as the Christ, as the Son of God, and the truth about him from God's word is not going to abandon us there. This world can't, this world can't dish out enough circumstances to get us out of Jesus. What did he say? When I've got you in my hand, guess what? Somebody gets me with a good left hook, I'm letting go. He said, you can't get them. You can't get the people out of my hand. People in my hand that want to be in my hand, I am not letting go. No one snatches them out of my hand. When I give them a place to abide, this world, all the devils in hell, can't do enough to get us out of him. You can leave him anytime you want to. I would advise against it. If you get troubled or fearful, well, I think I'm going to give up. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to uh, throw the book in the trash, quit believing Jesus says, Son of God, and call the Holy Spirit a waste of time. If you come to that conclusion, call me up, 325-728-0965, and I'll proceed to talk you out of it. So there. That's part of the reason why we have the church. I'm about to give up. Hold on, brother. We, we, Jesus didn't quit being Jesus. I know, but I messed up. I realize you messed up. I'm sorry, sister. I know that was overwhelming. Did Jesus quit being the Christ? Did he quit being the Son of God? No. Is, is the, the hurt and the pain and the sorrow and the sin and the temptation and whatever else this world comes up with, is that eternal? Is it going to go forever? Do I just need to build a house here? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I got a place to live in him. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house. Now, if you were dwelling there, would you be troubled? Would you be afraid? Uh-uh. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, not a place of trouble, not a place of fear, a place of what? What in the end, John 20, 30 and 31. What is, what is Jesus come to bring? What has he brought? What has he delivered unto us? What do we have? Eternal life. We were called out of temporary, filthy, troubled lives, and we were called into him. We're called into eternal life. We're called into a place in Jesus, in Jesus. Do I still have trouble in this world? All day, every day. That might be an overstatement, but follow me around for a day and see if it's not true for me. Do I still have trouble? Yes. Is it greater than the truth I have about Jesus? Not a chance. Not a chance. And the truth I have about him not just the truth about stuff he told me to do. The truth I have about him is greater than any trouble I can face in this world. Now, why would he be telling these apostles this? Because they're scared and they don't understand. Where's Christianity? You got a bunch of scared, non-understanding guys here, 11 of them. Where's Christianity going to come from? Where's the, what's the hope of the church? There's none at this point. I'll come, I'll come, I'll come back and take you to be with me, and you can be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't even know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? 
and Jesus. Praise God. What does he tell him? I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's enough said right there. They could have just went straight on out to the garden and he could have got arrested. Because that's enough said right there. But they don't understand. And John didn't write this letter to the apostles. He wrote this letter about what Jesus said to the apostles. To who? The church. So keep that in mind. I'm not explaining all that tonight. Just keep that in mind. And some of that, well, um, and Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Where did that come from? Who's talking about getting to the Father? What? What on earth? They ain't nobody. Has anybody asked him how we're going to get to the Father? He just said, I'm going. Y'all don't know where I'm going. Well, we don't know. We don't even know what you're talking about. What is he talking about here? What is he talking about? Let's get, I just want to, I'm sorry. Uh, Lord, we don't know, let me back up a little bit. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he basically already said this in chapter 6. What on earth has that got to do with what the apostles are dealing with right now? Do they misunderstand him being the Christ? Yeah. Why is he the Christ? So what? He's the Son of God. What, what, is, what is he going to the cross to purchase the right to do? Chapter 1, remember I told you, chapter 1. He's already said all this in chapter 1. Yet to all who received him, about verse 12 or 13, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of the Father. Could children of the Father live in the Father's house? That's the whole point. If your dad's homeless, there's no hope in that spiritually. God's not homeless. He's got a house. And Jesus is going to purchase on the cross the right for the people to abide not in fear and not in trouble, but with their God. He is going to prepare this place so they have the right to be children of God. No one comes to the Father. I'll quit insinuate and just tell you, he's talking about a relationship that they don't yet have. That's what he's talking about. He didn't appeal to the law of Moses when he tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. His appeal is not to the law of Moses. Worship more regularly, sing more sincerely. That's not, no. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Philip, what have you been doing for three years? Let me go. Don't you know? Don't you know me? Don't you realize that there's something to this line that I came to live that just, that just goes on this ascension to the Father? This increasing. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. That is an arrow, and it started going up, and it never came down. And everybody else is on a roller coaster, Right? Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father? That's a weird thing to say. What is that? He's in the Father. That's a relationship, brothers and sisters. That's a relationship. He is in the Father. And that the Father is in me. That's a relationship. I thought he's going to build a house. Well, he's got a relationship. He's trying to share it with them. He will. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. The words I say, here's his appeal. Is Jesus saying the truth? Where'd the truth he's saying come from? Come from the Father. Not from him, from the Father. This is the Father's plan. This is the Father's relationship. I am the Father's Christ. I am the Father's Son. I am the Father's message. So, uh, believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Remember the things I've done. John didn't near write down all that Jesus did. He couldn't write down all Jesus did. John 21, verse 25, why? Because the world wouldn't be big enough to hold the library. You know, the old poem about if the whole ocean was ink and every blade of grass was a quill and every man a scribe by trade, you couldn't write it down. The world's not big enough to hold what Jesus did. John said, I read a little dab down on what he did, and there's plenty of evidence in what he wrote down. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I am doing. So come down here right quick. We can come back some of this, but verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. Well, we've got to read 15, 16, 17. I'm sorry. If you love me, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Then take that verse out of context if you want to, but Jesus is talking to the apostles. Why is he telling them that? That's just going to trouble them further, isn't it? That's just going to make them more afraid, isn't it? You think he'd do every single thing he says? No. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, he just introduced right there. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? There's truth coming that's greater than the trouble. There's truth coming. He's not here yet, but he is coming. And I can say he because he said the spirit of truth. And the spirit's not it any more than Jesus is it or God's it. The spirit is he. We need to let the spirit of God be a person. He is a person, the person of God. The person of God who brings what? Truth. The person of God who is greater than what? The trouble we face. There's some, there's some, Jesus, this is over their head even at this point. But look over here, it is promised to them. All this I have spoken, verse 25, while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom, see that personal pronoun, whom, he didn't say it, he said whom. He's not talking about the power and ability to do anything. He's talking about the person of God and the Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things, remind you of everything I have said to you. How's that? Don't think when I leave, and I, I'm fixing to leave. Don't think when I leave, you're going to be alone. You're not going to be alone. Don't think when I leave, you're going to be abandoned. You're not going to be abandoned. The spirit of truth is coming. Guess what he's bringing? The truth. 
We start tailing this conversation off in, in chapter 16. Come over here with me, chapter 16, for just a second. I don't want to leave this. Verse 13, but when he, 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, that's the second time he said that in just a little while, must be important. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. Jesus said, I hadn't been speaking on my own. When the spirit comes, he's bringing a message. He ain't gonna speak on his own. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. Guide you into all truth, teach you all things, and tell you what is yet to come. And guess what's gonna start out of the Spirit coming to these apostles? Guess what's gonna start on the heels of that? When he comes, 53 days after this conversation, when he comes, guess what's going to start on the day of Pentecost? The church. Based on what? An untroubling message from the Father through the authority of Jesus by the Spirit. And he is going to bring the message that John writes down. John, you're not going to scratch your head and wonder what can you write down. You're going to know. John, you're not going to have to try to remember and call up and go uh, ask Matthew what I said on that day. You're going to know. You're going to remember every single word I've said to you. Now John writes this letter to the church and predominantly the church that he writes it to, guess how many conversations they've had with Jesus personally? Not many. For the most part, none, and maybe none altogether. Is he talking to the church right here? No. Jesus is, John's talking to the church, but Jesus in this context is having a conversation with who? His apostles. Because they're troubled and they're fearful. And Jesus said, don't worry, the truth is coming. The truth that is coming, the truth that does what? Explains what it means to be the Son of God. Explains what it means to be the Messiah. Explains to you why there's no need to be troubled and there's no need to be fearful. Now, we are going to be troubled and we are going to be fearful, but we don't, we don't abide there. Every time I get there, Charlie, every time I get there, I know better. I'm sorry. My circumstances, my sin, my temptation, the troubles and trials of life sweep over me. Whew. And I have to remember, you're not going to leave me here. Where am I going? I'm going back to the truth. I'm going back to the truth. And the truth that tells me about my Savior is going to come and extend the hand to me again and bring me beyond that. He's not going to leave us there. I wish he'd just tell us, turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 most specifically. This entire chapter is about life and guess who? The spirit. Life in the spirit, not life in the flesh. That was chapter 7, about two-thirds of it. Life in the spirit's contrasted to that. And we know, we don't doubt, wonder, suspect, because the truth that proclaims Jesus, the gospel that called us to belong to him, chapter 1, verse 6. Are we called to belong to Jesus, chapter 1, verse 6 in Romans? 
We receive grace in the costship to call people from all the Gentiles to the obedience from faith. And you also were among those who were called to belong to Christ Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is calling me to belong to one who was not afraid and was not fearful and went to the cross and did purchase my right for me to abide with God and God to abide with me and abide in me and live in me by his spirit. And I can trust all that because I know where the message came from. The apostles didn't get together and figure this out. The apostles got together and hid in fear, and Jesus kept his promise and sent the Holy Spirit, and thus we get to read the New Testament today. Now, that's 14, 15, 16 in a paraphrased sense, but this is true. It is important for me to know the certainty of the things I have been taught. And we know that in all things, what's God doing? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And his purpose is that Jesus purchased the right for me to become a child of God. And for God in Jesus Christ to set enthroned on my behalf to be my king and to be your king. Now think about all that all week and write down many questions as you can and bring them back with you next Wednesday night, would you? Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you so much. You're so awesome and truthful and eternal and powerful. And Jesus Christ, Father, as we see him, we have seen you. As we read this gospel, Father, we see how he is. We want our minds to absorb who he is and how he is so that, that when our hearts get overwhelmed by this world, we've got a savior to look to. We've got a king to trust in. We've got a God who loves us and paid the price for us to belong to him. We have a place, Father, a place free from fear, a place free from being troubled in you. Thank you for Jesus providing us a place to dwell, Father, where we're not abandoned to our own trouble to our own fear, to our own failure, Father. We're not abandoned there. Thank you for the word of truth. Help us to understand it as it is and help our courage, Father, to grow and help our faith to grow as our understanding of Jesus Christ our Lord grows. Bless us, Father, but glorify your name in our journey. It's through him who bled for us, died for us, and intercedes now on our behalf. We praise these things. Amen. Peace.